everybody, and welcome to Slotkin and Fisher at the Theater. I'm your host, Tom McGee. So, as always, this week, our two resident critics, uh, Lynn and Steve, discuss the latest things to hit the stage here in Toronto. So, to kick things off, we have Animal Farm at Soul Pepper. So, Steve, um, in about 30 seconds or so, uh, why don't you tell us what Animal Farm is all about? Right. So, this is a very new and contemporary adaptation of George Orwell's classic novel that most of our listeners probably read in school. Um, they, uh, they're um, a dictator, Napoleon, uh, in the play, is certainly a little bit more Trump-like than he is Stalin-esque, I think. Um, and we are seeing the uh, animals as they revolt against uh, their farmer and take over the farm themselves. And uh, the playwright, the local playwright, Anthony McMahon, has uh, worked a lot more contemporary issues, particularly capitalism as opposed to democracy, uh, in uh, his uh, critique uh, that comes out of the action of the play. All right. And uh, Steve, what did you think about the play? I liked it. It's uh, the, the design is it's top notch. Um, all of the actors are outfitted with mics, and as they're speaking, they're being uh, vocoded. Uh, not quite auto-tuned, but the register is dropped down, so it sounds lower and rougher and more animalistic. Um, and that's not something that happens automatically. That's something that the sound technician and designer, I presume, um, the designer was Richard Farron, is is doing on the soundboard as they speak. And the night that we uh, saw it, and Lynn and I both saw it on opening night, I think one line for like a fraction of a second dropped out, and the rest was top-notch. It was that that was great. The set design is great. It's it's sort of foreboding and looming and and uh, the mask work and um, costume work. Yeah, it's top notch, top quality. Um, but I don't know. Well, Lynn and I are going to talk a little bit about the adaptation itself, right? Mm, yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, Lynn, uh, on that note, what did you think about? The I liked it a lot, yeah. and I liked the adaptation. I thought it was true to the spirit. Spirit, mm-hmm. that fancy word of Orwell's original, but Orwell was writing about the Re- Russian uh, uh, Revolution and Stalin, and he, you know, he was totally against that. This is more contemporary, as you say, and it's coming into a more uh, believable world. So when Boxer, uh, the horse, gets sick, he can't take off work, he can't get meds because his, his insurance has cacked out. We know about that. Um, we have other people. We have um, the chickens who are told that they have to produce three times as many eggs as any, anybody else, and they have to work three times as hard, and yet they are told repeatedly all animals are created equal, except if you're a pig, at which point you can drink champagne and you know lounge around. So I love the adaptation. I love that it is more accessible now to our time. I'm not sure I would say Trump-like. Everybody wants to say Trump-like. There are other craze, crazies than than Trump to 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 bring us into the situation. But I love the fact that at the end, that no moment was actually made when the pigs, led by Napoleon, sort of turned into humans. Mm. And that was fascinating. Yeah. So you, they lead you along. They expect you to pay attention. I love that. I love that business. I uh, Talking about the actors, I love the fact that they had the uh, a kind of a subtle body movement to whatever animal they were playing. So 
You have Boxer, played by Oliver Dennis, who has very heavy feet, heavy movements. Mm. Um, I loved uh, Guillermo Verdecchia, who played Benjamin, the, so the, the donkey, who just stood there with one foot forward bent. That said everything to me about that guy uh, or the, about that animal. He was thoughtful. He was deliberate in his in his speaking. I love the fact that his voice was so low. So I thought that Ravi Jane, the director, did a terrific job of it. I might have been a little nervous in Act One when it when the comedy seemed to be so high. But I don't think it destroyed or distracted when we go into Act Two, which is very serious when we realize how this experiment in non-democracy yeah. uh, is is failing. It's failing because yes. of arrogance and ego and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah, this perceived utopia that the animals yeah. <clears throat> want to create without human uh, supervision. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, the, I think Ravi Jane had a very deft comedic touch here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he previously did this for Soul Pepper for Accidental Death of an Anarchist, taking some, you know, very dark and, you know, a subject matter and giving a sort of light comedic touch until the other shoe drops. That's, that's true. That's what happens yeah, here, too. Yeah, he's, you know, so, he's the real deal, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Jane. I really love the fact that this was a, this was an in-house production and that they used a local playwright who's come up through... Uh, and written some really wonderful plays in the Summer Works uh, um, series in, in particular. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's you're certainly right. Yeah, it's very very topical and easier for modern audiences to grasp than the Russian Revolution, which mm-hmm. is sort of starting to become dim, yes. dimmer in our collective yeah. uh, memories. But, but a, a true classic can stand the test of time, Yeah, I think. Excellent. Yeah. All right, so that was Animal Farm at Soul Pepper. Next show is what a young wife ought to know uh, at Crow's Theater. So, Lynn, in um, about thirty seconds or so, could you just tell us, uh, please, what the play is about, and sex. then we'll get your thoughts. Sex, <laughs> sex, sex. It's about sex. It's about love in marriage. It's about pregnancy. It's about uh, passion. It's about sex, and it takes place in about the nineteen twenties. Between a married, uh, there's a, ma- a, a man and a woman. Sophie is married to Johnny. And um, she, she adores him. He's so handsome, she says. And he is. And she falls in love. They get married. And she gets pregnant. And then she gets pregnant. And then she gets pregnant. She has four children. The labors are long. The children, the babies, weigh something like nine pounds in one birth, 11 pounds in another, and she's desperate to find some birth control. This is 1920s. There's no such thing, really. Or if there is, it costs a lot of money. There's a a reusable sheath she talks about. I don't want to go there because, you know, I'm crossing my legs even now. So... And and the birth control is is rudimentary, and it, it really doesn't exist. Um, uh, Hannah Moskovich wrote this book. 
It's based on, one moment, I've got it here, Dear Dr. Stopes, written in 1920, which it's composed of letters and information that people wrote to her then about their marital problems, their sexual problems, and Hannah Moscovich fashioned a play out of these letters, among other things, and I thought it was, I think it's a gem of a production. I really do. And Steve, what are your thoughts? Uh, right. So this is the second of Hannah's plays that is currently on stage. Uh, last episode, we talked about Bunny, which Lynn and I both loved. And I think we both really, really liked this show, too. Uh, they are quite different. Uh, this one is a little bit more like Hannah's earlier, play, earlier plays. It's three characters, so it's a smaller hander. And uh, from watching the show, it, it, it seemed like it was designed for a smaller space. Which is uh, fairly effectively uh, concealed uh, at the the larger crow space through the use of generous amounts of haze, um, but the, the set worked for me, and the 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 cast is terrific. Lisa Repo Martel, I mean, you feel for her so much because she loves her husband, and she very much wants to uh, have a sexual relationship with him with him, but it is literally life threatening for her to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so and of course the the issues that it's talking about, access to abortion, access to birth control, mm-hmm. women's health and reproductive rights, all of these are very hot button issues still. Uh, of course, particularly in the south of the border here. So um, so yeah, so it's it's great. It's a great way of looking at the, those subjects and. Uh, and but if I had to choose, but that that's the great thing. You don't have to choose. You could absolutely see both of these plays in one weekend, mm-hmm. even in one day. Um, and I would recommend doing so. But if I had to choose between the two of them, I liked Bunny just a little bit more mm-hmm. because uh, of the the larger cast and the, the scope. This one is it's 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 smart and it tackles these subjects really well. And the audience was certainly um, pensive at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I loved really a lot about it? Mm. Is that the man, Johnny, loved being married to her. Oh, very much And so. he, loved, he loved his children. And he wanted every one of them. He welcomed every one of them. He never worried about the fact that he's making $12 a week. This is 1920, folks. Mm-hmm. He made $12 a week. He, he would find a way to spread the money to accommodate these children. I love that about it. It's you're not going to get the cliche of the angry husband, etc. So he they were reveling in their passion for each other, but they knew I I can't not have sex with this man even though I know that I I'll probably get pregnant and it's going to be uh, it's going to be dangerous to my life, but you're living with this guy. He's a hunk. Whether he's a hunk or not, she loves him. Yeah. This is part of, of of marriage, and I want it. And, you know, let me be 50 years later, and I can get a pill. That is what a young wife ought to know at Crow's Theatre. Okay, so next up we've got The Monument at Factory Theatre. So, Lynn, why don't you tell us a little bit about the show and your thoughts. So, The the Monument is written by Colleen Wagner. She origi- she, it, this was originally produced in 1995, oh. 
And it is about a soldier who brags at the beginning of the play that he has raped and murdered 23 women and he's buried them in the forest. And when this first got produced, it could have been about any, um, any war-torn country, Bosnia, Serbia, etc., this version uh, that, that's been directed by Jani Lauzan has been reworked a bit by Colleen Wagner to reflect the indigenous mur- uh, missing and murdered women. Uh, a few changes in the dialogue, dialogue etc. There is, uh, so Stetko is the soldier. He is in a chair at the beginning. He is tied up. And Medra is a woman who says to him that she is his savior and he he will be saved if he does everything she says for the rest of his life. Mm. And one of them, we find out why she is so interested in finding out where these women are. I, I just, I thought it was wonderful. I remember the first the first production, which was so harrowing and so moving, this is more so because it places it in Canada. It places it in a in a, a situation so, that we uh, are uh, very familiar with, folks, and uh, unfortunately, we are. It's a terrible, it's a terrible situation of of missing and murdered and then, um, uh, Indigenous women and girls, uh, our third show, and, monument, and uh, they seem to yeah, be lost because nobody seems to want to find them. And this addresses that problem. I think it's a terrific, ripping. Uh, moving production. Well, I agree with Lynn that that it's it's very moving to watch his show. There was a lot of people in the audience who were very obviously emotionally affected by what was happening on stage. The thing is, watching the show uh, and and certainly in the references in the play, the character that Augusto Bitter is uh, portraying, um, he is he's a child soldier and. Uh, that, that's part of the, uh, the ethical quandaries the characters find themselves in. Was he was a victim of this just as much, not just as much, there's no equivalency there, but he was a victim as well. And that's not necessarily the case with the issues with uh, the murdered and missing indigenous women, right? I found myself at the end of the play, I was, I was impressed, it was beautiful. I love the, the staging. And, uh, and when the, uh, when the I don't want to give it anything give away, anything but when, away, but when uh, imagery uh, associated with the missing and murdered indigenous, indigenous women comes out on stage, stage. It's, it really it's, hits it you. Really but hits I found myself at the end of the show wondering why, why we aren't why watching we aren't a play watching specifically play about the murdered and missing indigenous women. Uh, because this uh, one has scenes in it about war crimes and war rape that are still very clearly in the text, but... But aren't necessarily addressed by these contexts that we're now seeing it in. Well, I I suspended my disbelief of that. I didn't think that uh, Stetko, uh, who is uh, played by wonderfully by Augusto Bitter, I didn't think he was a child a child soldier. You can if you believe the dialogue, but if you want to if you want to embrace or if you want to expand your your belief of what's going on there, uh, you can believe that that he could have been one of these people who 
um, went to a reserve and found women and then took them away and raped them and then buried them in the forest where they will be forgotten. If the play isn't written already about addressing this subject, then you go to something that can do that. I found this a better fit for the subject matter than the drawer boy trying to uh, trying to uh, force the agenda of having an, an indigenous man play one of the characters, one of the farmers, having a black man playing one of the characters, and having a gay man play one of the characters, which I thought was an agenda being forced down our throats. This one I could believe. See, I was wondering if you were going to bring up the drawer boy. <laughs> because I, I guess I, I, I still think this is a wonderful production. It's uh, some very moving performances. Uh, uh, Bitter is he's a very empathetic actor. You, you feel for him, which is that's a tough thing to do when you uh, meet his character as someone confessing proudly that he's murdered and raped, you know, dozens of women. But uh, I, I, I feel a little bit like while I. I, I found I, it moving found and interesting uh, 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 show to watch, and I do recommend, watch, it. I do recommend it. It made me hunger more to see a show that specifically addresses the issues that the play is being reworked to address. Uh, we have we have to also give credit to Tamara Pademski, who mm-hmm. plays Medra, who is his uh, a jailer in a sense, his savior. She says. And I, as I say, it, it, uh, directed uh, by Jenny Lausanne, I thought it was beautifully directed. And uh, so I guess, in a way, Steve, as always, we agree to disagree, but we're sort of yep. in the same ballpark of, of thinking that this is a terrific production. It, yeah, it sounds like we're both recommending the show. You felt yeah. a little bit stronger about it than, 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 than I did, uh, just because, well, I don't know. I think it's a good thing when you leave the theater wanting more. And what I want more is I want to see uh, a new production that does address these issues. Good. Yeah, if you're interested in learning more about this, there's a really great uh, CBC podcast uh, called Missing and Murdered, Finding Cleo uh, that you can get on iTunes that uh, takes a really good look at all this. So if you're interested in learning more, definitely check it out. So that has been The Monument at Factory Theatre. All right, so that brings us to the end of today's episode. So as always, you can find uh, information for where to get tickets to all of these shows, either at the theater's websites uh, or um, in the uh, notes for the show on our site. Uh, so if you want to hear more from Lynn, uh, you can check out slotkinletter.com on Twitter, at slotkinletter, or, of course, on CIUT 89.5 between 9 and 10 a.m. on Fridays. Uh, Steve, you can catch at gracingthestage.ca or at gracingthestage on Twitter. Um, he's unfortunately going to be on the road a bit, so it's going to be harder to find him in karaoke bars. So you might have to get your ass to Barry to <laughs> I'm, find. I'm uh, going to be pretty Steve. quiet on Twitter, but but uh, I'll, yeah, I'll be back in Toronto on the weekend, so we'll still be seeing photos. All right, excellent. Uh, and of course, I am at McGeeTD. You can find a bunch of my random writings at whathappen.ca. And uh, other than that, I hope you have an excellent week and have a good one. Uh,